You heard the man. Real Kipper and Bourne, show number 58. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy. Producing and Andrew Holland, like the country, on tech. <laughs> Boys, what's the latest here from the Ontario government? I throw it over to you, Sammy. I'm too depressed. <laughs> Oh, we, where is Sammy? Do you abandon us? Do we have me? Yeah, yes. Hey, Sammy. Did you I'm hear here. a Did you hear a word I just said? <laughs> I heard that you were depressed, and I heard something about the government, and it's like, wow, it's been a lot of this. So, so we, basically, we're, what we're looking at here is sporting events capped at a thousand spectators starting on January seventh, which is next Friday. So that's no, what we're heading no, towards Sa- here, boys. Not, not to cut you off, I'm not. I'm, I'm yep. told it's immediate. Really? Yes. I don't. Uh, I'm under the assumption here, and we believe that there's a 3 p.m. press release coming out from the Ontario government. Correct? Is, has it been released as of yet? I know we've only been on the air, but we are under the impression that at 3 p.m. they will announce. That uh, moving forward, uh, the capacity, like you just said, Sammy, will be a thousand. But my understanding is it's going to happen right away. Well, mm. I can't see a world where you're announcing it's going down to a thousand, and then you just let them pack ten grand in there this Saturday. I, I guess, that makes more sense to me. But I guess we're waiting on the official word here. Yeah, we are. Uh, you know, it's so, a public health me- measure that's expected to be announced. Uh, I believe it's a Doctor Moore. It was expected to make the announcement momentarily on a press release. So we'll we'll sit tight and wait for that. And Sammy, I, I hope you're right. But to JB's point, if if you have a sense of going from 50% capacity to 1,000, the sense of urgency has to be now. It can't be a week later. It makes no sense. Yeah, I I was just going off the city news report, which came out about an hour ago, and they've been bang on with all this stuff. And it just said that seating capacities in concert venues, movie theaters, and sporting events will be capped at 1,000 people starting on January 7th. So that's what I was going off of. You know, city news and 680, they've been all over this, you know, from the beginning. So, they're, you know, it's rare that they're – but if you're hearing that – I mean, it does make sense. It, like, the only, the only thing to me that they're trying to do from a, you know, uh, sort of – conspiracy theorist here would be that they'd try to get two more leaf dates in here under the wire and then once the leafs go out on the road starting on the front on friday that that's but that's the only perspective i could see and it would make a lot more sense for their next two home games to have a thousand people at it which absolutely sucks so let me get this straight they will then tell everybody we we need the the we need the cash cow to for two more games, and then we'll consider your safety at a thousand. No, 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 that's not I flying. Would, I wouldn't put it past anyone being like, "We're doing the right Honestly, thing." Once we get paid, <laughs> at this point, boys, will you really? You wouldn't put it past them. Like honestly, oh man. Well, we we we'll get into that a little later on in the show about the World Juniors and how they try to greed their way into a a nice little cha-ching cha-ching situation, only to have it backfire in their face, but. Sticking with this this story, obviously it's uh, you know being here in Ontario and predominantly a, a Leaf show. With the news now that they're going down to one thousand, what does this do now for Saturdays? And I, I'm the first one to admit, 
I said, when you asked, what are the chances of Saturday's game being pulled off? Yesterday, I told you 100%. And that they would play. And uh, I, I didn't anticipate 50% capacity going down to 1,000 here. So yeah. do where are the Leafs now in Ottawa Saturday night? And whether or not we'll see one of we'll, we'll see the league or the Leafs try to protect the the gate and and push it back. That's just, a possibility. Now, I, Kipper, I can't imagine this is smart. Go ahead and finish your point. But. Yeah, I can tell you that I, I've made a couple of quick calls, and as of as of moments ago, the feeling was Saturday's game between Ottawa and Toronto was not in jeopardy as of yet. But this is such a moving target, boys, <laughs> that who knows minute to minute where we are. But well, the, yeah. the sense I got was it was still a go this afternoon. Excuse my ignorance here, but should we promote that we are doing a live stream of that show? Of that no, game? no, you should not. <laughs> Okay. No, keep your mouth right. shut right now. All right. Forget it then. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but <laughs> honest to God, I can't believe, uh, you know, how things are changing on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, and trying to keep up is impossible. You know, you read stories about, like, the Ottawa Senators, are they're practicing. They don't know when they're going to play. They don't know who they're going to play. They've already had eight games postponed, one of which was postponed until December 27th at Washington, which got postponed. <laughs> so it's like, when are they going to actually get these games in? I really feel like it's risky behavior postponing games on the assumption of, well, there'll be fans down the road just not knowing what's coming next. Well, they got to play hockey at some point here. Well, guys. I know, you Sammy. Know, well, if they and this if they is... postpone sat Saturday, and then they start thinking about postponing Wednesday, we'll be looking at him going from what was the last time they played the Tuesday. So that would have been December sixteenth, the last time they played, or December seventeenth to January eighth would be their net would be their road game in Colorado when they play on the Saturday night. What kind of does, what does that do for the competitive balance? I mean, you can't take off that much time in the midst of an NHL hockey season. It's just there's too much rhythms about it. Sure, you can practice. Sure, you get guys back healthy. But that is almost a month off in the middle of a really important season. It's just, I don't think you can do it. They have to play here at some point. A thousand Sammy, people or not. If, if, if the World Junior Championship didn't teach us anything, it, ta it taught us that the top priority is the cash. Okay, so competitive balance right now is not care. at the top of their priority list. This is about protecting, and if you follow the, 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 the crumbs, they will lead you to the pot of gold here. So prior to this pending announcement from the Ontario government, the whole idea for the Leafs, at least this weekend, was to protect two games, and they revolve around Sportsnet Saturday night and Wednesday national games and I was told that Sportsnet was a big driver of protecting those two nights I don't blame and I, I still think regardless of what we hear in, in the next few minutes that Sportsnet's pushing hard to get that game in tomorrow night that's that's their money maker. 
That's a million plus audience guaranteed, right? I mean, I don't know the exact numbers. One to two million, maybe three million. I don't know what it is, but it's you know you have you know I'm, we have Adam Seaborn on today, and we're going to talk about this. Like you have sold those advertising slots to people, and you don't want to have to owe them the ads back. There are no refunds. You just owe them future, uh, you know, inventory, so to speak. So it's uh, there's a lot of pressure to play these games, I'm sure, and. You know, Gates not everything, I guess. Well, you just mentioned it, Adam Seaborn, uh, Canadian media analyst, uh, will join us later on in the show and just maybe put together what these games mean financially, because that seems to be the driving force uh, throughout all of this. Uh, Rene Laveau is also from uh, TVA. He'll join us to talk about the Montreal Canadiens and their situation uh, when it comes to their management. Uh, dealings and uh, hiring a new general manager as many as eight on a list so I can't wait to get into that with him as well but uh, on the local front man uh, these guys we, we we all thought it was behind us playing in, a, in an empty building and oh boy here we go again yeah well, I've got an article in Sportsnet today called uh, Ode, you know, Ode to the Hockey Fan and just like what they have brought how clear it is to me now and I always understood the value of fans but I didn't realize how much I depended on them to tell me what's going on in the fastest live sport in the world to you know to bring the energy when there's lulls to keep momentum up for home teams you know to feed off at times when there was the need God, I mean, last year when we watched uh, fanless hockey and then all of a sudden Tampa Bay and Florida had had a packed building, it was like your brain exploded. It's like you had been eating dry crackers for a month and all of a sudden were handed this, like, delicious five-star meal. It was such a treat. So uh, to go back to the crackers here, I know it's just a few Canadian cities and a few games, and it's not a huge crisis in the big picture, yada, yada. But it sucks. Let's not pretend it's anything but that. It sucks. A thousand thousand people in a building. Yeah, a thousand people in a building. You might as well just have no one. Well, no, it is no one. people in a building. That is, yeah. It is no one. I I don't anticipate. I, I don't anticipate this even going out to season ticket holders. Who do you, just families? friends and family and and your staff and your you know the visiting team staff like there is no tickets to sell here that's such a good point you know is you're right like how if you all the friends and family and staff and whatever if you get up to 800 what are you gonna put on 120 tickets you know tickets on sale what does that mean like a thousand does that include the the janitor? Does it include the electric? Uh, the, the the guy that runs the uh, electricity there? Does it include yeah. the plumber Zamboni driver? Zamboni is, driver. Is there a guy hawking peanuts to the families up and down the seats or what? <laughs> no peanuts. You're good, Diane. You sure you don't want peanuts? Oh no no. no. Don't, what are you, they can Jim? sell you. They 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 can sell you the peanuts. You just can't crack just can't them. Can't eat open. them. <laughs> you got <laughs> to inject them. That's you your only choice. You can stare at them. You can smell them. But listen, if if you crack if you don't one have COVID. peanut, if you crack uh, one peanut, you're getting a yellow card. Okay. Yeah. God, man. I mean, it's dark. But what else can you do but laugh at it? Like it's just so. 
Oh, fun. So I, there was some a little bit of hockey stuff coming out today. I saw, you know, quotes from hockey practice from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Remember when we used to talk about that stuff? But apparently mm-hmm. Rasmus Sandin is saying that if the Leafs do play on Saturday, he may feel ready to play again after his knee injury that he had against the Jets. You know, Marner getting closer to coming back here. Is there a world that this little break was a good thing for the Leafs, getting them healthy? Because they were going through it pretty badly. I know there's some COVID protocol stuff, but once they come out of that, do you think this could be a good thing for them? I believe so. And yeah. I'll use Marner as, as the biggest example in all of this because when I watched him towards the latter part of that, that first round against Montreal, I saw a guy that was not at the top of his game. I saw a guy making mistakes that we haven't seen all season long, i.e. flipping a puck over the glass. Like, when was the last time you ever seen Mitch Marner? I know. When I played with Ally Afraidy, he would acknowledge to me that if things got crazy in his own zone and he was tired, he's pulling someone down. Oh, really? He's like, yeah, I need oh, a no. snick. Um, one way or another, the play's going to end. And <laughs> ju- just just hope the penalty killers are on, on board because once the oxygen starts getting sucked out of the head, yeah. you, you see you see stuff happening. And I really believe that Mitch Marner was tired at the end. And there were some nights, guys, we were watching him at, what, 27? If he did not have uh, uh, 30 minutes in one or two games in the first round, I'll be shocked. I was... I'm the uh, same way, uh, I'd be shocked. It's, it's, it was just... It was too much. Too much for him. Too much for his frame to carry that load. That guy will be the key in all of this for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'll, I'll say what you say what you will about uh, Matthew's shot or the ability to for for Nylander to break open a game. I, I really believe that the pulse for the Leafs in the in the playoffs will cu- will go through the engine of Mitch Marner. Yeah, once he finds it and he's there, Patrick Kane, uh, you know, and, and can facilitate the way that he does. Obviously, it's the the whole puzzle doesn't work without him. The whole puzzle doesn't work without any of the big four. And I do think there's a world, Sammy, where, you know, they, they rely so heavily on a few guys that if there are multiple breaks during the season, whether it be now, whatever the Olympic break you know, air quotes offers. I, I think it's all right because they're a team that could now go back and lean heavily on some guys. The problem is... If the schedule gets too condensed, you can't be playing Mitch Marner and, and Austin Matthews 25 minutes a night. You can't play Jack Campbell four games a week or five games a week and then, you know, expect great results in the postseason. So, you know, the the hope is that the games don't get too congested for them. They can use the breaks to recharge. And, yeah, getting healthy for them at a pretty pivotal time here. Mikheyev will be better, Mrazek better, Marner better. It's a good thing. I, I do worry about Mrazek, though. I do, you know... We talked about him and how he came out and was it the second game of the year he pulled his groin and Kipper said that to Brian Boucher and then Brian Boucher said he did that and got a little bit weird there for a second, but that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, what did you say, Kipper? Can you imagine hurting your, your groin this early? He's like, yeah, yeah, I did it. He's like, I did that. <laughs> but I, I do worry about the, I, the ones I worry about most is the goaltending, No. Sitting around this long, not having the on-ice stuff. I know they don't practice all that much anyway with with Campbell. They really limit him. But not playing a game, sitting around in protocol, 
going into these games, you know, right back into the fire. I do worry about the goalies, especially Mrazek, who the the injury stuff in the past has right. been very concerning. So th- that is one portion that I would worry about. Sammy, uh, Mrazek could have had a, a groin transplant between <laughs> the time that he heard it and now and, and been in great shape. <laughs> great point. So I, I think point, you're just you. fine. All right, let's turn the page a little bit because we've got uh, a game that we think isn't in jeopardy, unlike maybe Saturday night with the Leafs in, in Ottawa, and that is this outdoor game that we're looking forward to. Um, Michael Russo is here from the NHL and uh, the Minnesota uh, Wild, writer for The Athletic. Uh, Roos, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good, good. How are you guys doing? So what kind of budget did they give you for uh, uh, long underwear and turtlenecks this weekend? <laughs> I think I, uh, so uh, I'm checking, I checked into the media hotel here in downtown Minneapolis. And the first thing that a bunch of uh, NHL people that saw me uh, said was, don't you live here? So, um, so I actually have a big budget. Uh, the athletic put me up at the local hotel, even though I live in Minnesota, just to, you know, kind of get closer. But, uh, yeah, I've uh, I bought those these like um like uh, I did a so uh, not to give away a scoop, but I'm working on this massive story that I that I did last week that's going to run here in a couple weeks, and I went out to a um, to Justin Morneau's house and and uh, his backyard and did this like outdoor hockey thing. He has this pickup game every Wednesday with a bunch of uh, retired baseball and, and hockey players. So for that, I bought all these like toe warmers and like finger warmers and choppers and electric like battery operated socks so i've definitely uh, packed that in my bag for this upcoming weekend and uh i'm super excited to finally cover a winter classic i've covered this league now for 27 years i've never been to a winter classic it's pretty crazy i've done a couple of tournaments as a kid in minnesota in, in the month months of january <laughs> and, and i think one is late uh, as early as uh, february and it's friggin' cold. Oof. Yeah. Like, well, this is... one's gonna be super cold. Yeah. Okay, so um, I, I was also uh, privileged to do the Heritage Classic, and that's regarded as the first one. <laughs> although that was yep. not an NHL production, that was run by the Edmonton Oilers back in two thousand and four. And I think with the wind chill, we were talking about minus uh, thirty, minus forty. I, I believe, if my memory serves me well here, and I, I yeah. can recall, I can recall being on the uh, uh, at ice level uh, and and hanging around the rink crew and Coley Campbell and a few from the NHL, and the chunks out of it resembled something <laughs> like you know uh, watching an episode of the Titanic when the iceberg started chipping off. <laughs> and well, that is the biggest uh, concern here. Yeah, is it uh, like on a scale of one to ten? Like, do you know where that that concern would be? Um, it's pretty concerned, but when like when I talked to Mike Craig about it the other day, he really didn't seem very concerned. Uh, you know, it, it is going to be cold. Like Fahrenheit wise, they're calling for it now. The forecast, the league says that their forecast says that on Saturday night it's going to be minus five Fahrenheit. The weather.com and AccuWeather and all that say minus 18 Fahrenheit. So that would <laughs> by far be, yeah. Now that would be the coldest uh, NHL game in history. Um, it's already going to be the coldest winter classic. There's no doubt about that. And temperature-wise, I don't know about wind chill-wise, but temperature-wise, this will go down as the, as the coldest uh, outdoor game in NHL history. 
Now, that one in Edmonton was, um, you know, by all accounts, ridiculous. Um, you know, beers turning to slush. I know uh, Chris Stevenson tweeted yesterday that the famed Michael, Michael Farber uh, called it uh, hype, hype meets hypothermia, which is such a great line in classic Farber. Um, but uh, in terms of this game, they, you know, th- these new refrigerated rinks that they bring around to all these outdoor games, part of it has the inlay heaters in there. So they are actually going to heat up the ice um, for the game because the sweet spot for ice apparently is like around 24 degrees Fahrenheit. And obviously it's going to be potentially sub-zero outside right now. So, um, you know, they're going to heat up the ice. They're going to put insulated tarps on overnight throughout the day to try to keep the ice going because, um, you know, what they are really concerned about is kind of what you just said, Kipper, is that, is that if, if it gets too, too cold, that ice will get become brittle right away and crack away and it will be unplayable to play on. So that's a big problem. The other thing that the equipment guys are really worried about, it's not even the cold air with the players or the coaches or things like that. You know, Kipper, you'd, you'd know, Justin, you know, like, like these guys, they get out there to play. They're probably going to quickly forget about how cold it is. What they're worried about is the equipment. Like how are the sticks going to react? How are, if you get a puck straight onto your kneecap, is, is your knee guard going to break? Um, you know, if the puck hits Cam Talbot right in the neck guard, is that thing just going to shatter? Um, you know, I have a cousin that played junior hockey that went super famous because he uh, it actually went viral when he was playing for, I think it was either Sioux Falls or Sioux City, where the puck was too frozen and, and uh, the, the thing hit the, the uh, post and cracked in like four or five different pieces. And it was like on every uh, news channel in the United States uh, because it was almost like he shot the puck too hard. So those are the type of things that they are actually uh, – uh, worried about and um, but but when I talk to Mike Craig, he's like, oh, "Our our rink's going to hold up, so we'll see." I mean, the biggest concern are the fans. You know, I mean, the fans are going to be coming out here in super super dangerously cold weather. Um, the league is really trying to up its messaging right now to get fans to not be cocky Minnesotans that just come out there with no layers, right? I mean, they want them to make sure that if they're going to sit in those stands for three four hours, you know, with the pregame hype and and the game that they're not going to expose their skin, that they're not going to, you know, do stupid stuff like take off their shirts and paint their oh, chest. Gonna... Um, and do st- yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the type of stuff they are genuinely worried about. And so they've increased like the medical stations around the stadium. They are playing at a baseball stadium that does have a lot of areas where you can heat up if you need to. Um, but I remember the stadium series here in Minnesota um, in 2016, and it was not even close to as cold a game uh, a day. I mean, there were fans that were essentially going to the bathrooms to use it as a place to warm up. So uh, that that is the biggest concern. And uh, luckily, the press box is heated. I've been assured of that. That's great. I am fascinated by what the teams will do on the equipment front. That's a great point. Like, what do you do to prepare for this? You know, what are you wearing for layers? Um, you know, yeah. let, let's just say that this does. I mean, they're going to play a hockey game here at some point, and I like I like the idea that the players will move on and get down to the hockey playing. Can you just give us a refresher of where these teams are at, what we're expecting? I don't even know who's played when in the league. What, what are we expecting yeah. from that Winter Classic matchup? Well, I mean, the Blues overtook the Wild uh, for first in the Central Division last night. They played a great game. Um, so now they have 41 points. The Wild have 40. The Wild have not won a game since December 9th, but they've only played four times since. They've had four, four of the last uh, uh, six games postponed. Um, it's been definitely a bit of a mess. Um, they uh, were riding an eight-game winning streak. They had the most points in the NHL, and things have absolutely gone haywire since. Not just with them, you know, going 0-3-1 in their last four, but the games postponed, 
Spurgeon getting hurt, then Eric Finette getting hurt, then Brodeen coming, uh, testing positive for COVID. Now the good news on that front, it looks like that he will be allowed to play now on Saturday night um, because of the protocol changed yesterday. The Wild are still waiting for clarification from the NHL. Uh, the Wild did a really, really smart thing on Monday. Um, unknowingly did a smart thing. Is, is So he tests positive, but then he had two subsequent negative tests. But just to be safe, the trainer actually sent him home to begin his isolation. And then on Tuesday morning, that original sample came back confirmed for COVID. But because they sent him home to begin his isolation, test technically now five 24-hour periods will end Saturday morning. So the league looks like they're going to let Brody in play, which will be absolutely massive for the Wild that are already without Spurgeon. So, um, you know, the Wild have to get their game back on track. It's definitely splintered here in the last little while, not not helped at all by the fact that, um, you know, again, four games have been postponed, not by their doing either. It's been outbreaks by other teams like Detroit and Carolina and Florida. And then, uh, you know, obviously two games uh, postponed with Winnipeg because of the attendance issues. God, those trainers don't get enough credit sometimes, eh? Like, I know. Think about it. Like, really you, you just hard move. Yeah. You, you just you just saved a twenty minute guy, right? Uh, who can yeah. factor into two huge points here? Like, hope he's renegotiating his deal right now. <laughs> well, you know what's really funny is so they they extended Evison and the entire coaching staff today. Well, the trainers are next. All the trainers are in the last year of his deal. So John Worley should take today's headline and absolutely uh, hand that right to Bill Guerin. So. No, no big secret on Everson, right? We all knew it was coming. Uh, any and yep. is is he is he right up there with uh, the the medium here? Is there any uh, t- thoughts on uh, on what he got? You know, I don't know salary wise. Uh, the the coaches association keep that really buttoned up, and that was, by the way, Kipper, a very funny uh, couple minutes at, at Marcus Foligno's presser today. So we finally got it out at Dean that it's a three year deal. Because originally, the, you know, the Wild put out multi-year agreement. And so Marcus, in like, you know, a stand-up comedy moment at the podium today, went on this like funny rant, but doing it totally lightheartedly about how it's hilarious that when players sign, how everything's leaked, every contract, every detail of the contract is put out there by the team. But when a coach is signed, it's called a multi-year agreement. And he just thinks that it was absolutely like it's just bonkers how they want to keep it hush-hush. So. Money-wise, we don't know there, um, but uh, but you know, obviously, um, as you as you said, Nick. I mean, like this was just a matter of time. This was would have been a bigger topic if this was considered a lame duck coach type situation. But Bill Guerin had been very, very forthcoming, really, the last um, you know several months, several weeks, that it was just going to get done. It just was a matter of getting around to it. You know, Bill's had a lot of things going on between uh, you know running the Wild and USA Hockey. Um, and that rug's been pulled out from under him. He's also had some, some uh, you know, family issues here the last couple of weeks. But, but this got done actually two or three weeks ago, it sounds like. And to Dean Everson's credit, um, he didn't want his extension announced until the entire coaching staff was done, too, so they could do it together. And that's the way that Dean's run his operation since he's taken over for, the, for Bruce Bougaro, uh, you know, pretty much 22 months ago now. And, um, you know, I think it says a lot about him that, that he was wanting to essentially sit out there without his contract being announced because he wanted the assistance to get done. 
Yeah, that's cool. That's uh, shows some good unity in the staff. Yeah. You know, they're going to get to do this uh, this outdoor game, which is another thing that they'll remember and be proud of as a group. W- what are they going to be dealing with in terms of the COVID situation, in Minnesota for fans? Um, you know, le- less about the coaches, but the fans themselves. What are they going to be dealing with? Is there restrictions? Do they have to wear masks? How is the COVID situation in Minnesota right now? Uh, you know, actually, uh, there's really no restrictions that I could see. Uh, masks okay. are encouraged, not required. Not required. Um, you know, you don't have to show vax cards or negative tests, anything like that. The Wild are actually, the, you know, one of the few teams in the NHL that you pretty much got to show nothing to get into the building, unless you're media, by the way. Um, <laughs> okay. Media, you got to be completely, uh, yeah, you're tested constantly, vax cards, masks, everything. But uh, everything else, no. So, you know, that is not the biggest issue. Again, the, the only thing that, that, that the NHL has been big on is just, you know, come dressed warmly. <laughs> you know, they don't want any nightmare situations, uh, obviously, happening here on Saturday night. But in terms of COVID, um, no, nothing. The other interesting thing that did happen that I haven't reported yet is that the Wild did not know this until yesterday. So I assume it's the same with the St. Louis Blues is that for the family skate tomorrow, every single family member has to get tested to be allowed on the field. And so the Wild and the Blues uh, are, you know, essentially I assume it's going to be less for the Blues, um, but the Wild uh, family members which and friends, which I believe are like over 200, had to set up essentially a drive-through testing situation uh, today and tomorrow for their family members to get tested in order to be allowed on the field and, and to be around them. So that was another, the only other real COVID situation that the Wild have had to deal with here in the last little while. Mike, any other restrictions on the families? Are they going to ex- get to experience this like other outdoor games where they get their ice sessions? They get to, yeah, you know, it really, you know, absorb this. And I, I know it's almost like a different world south of the border where yeah. we're shutting right down, and it seems like yeah. uh, America just goes along their their own merry way. But as far as the families are concerned, will will they get to truly enjoy this like others? Yeah, they will. Um, and actually, I was just texting with a player a minute ago uh, about this. Uh, you know, that's why I was a little distracted is um, because we're going to be doing a really neat thing in the athletic on uh, on, on New Year's Eve night. And that is we're going to be doing like a photo diary where a bunch of players and players' wives and things like that send us a bunch of videos and pictures from their family skate on the on the ice ice and then we're going to run it in in the athletic so it's essentially going to be their photo diary but that's one of the cool things that wild players especially are extremely happy about is um for a while about two or three weeks ago which is ironic if you think about it because COVID has just seems to have gone off the rails here in the last two or three weeks but two or three weeks ago it looked like that the nhl was not going to have a family skate and the wild and the wild ownership and the brass really pleaded with the NHL that to, to not take that away from these family members, uh, that they were all coming in for Christmas time and New Year's, and this was the fun of getting a Winter Classic, and that was the fun of the Stadium Series game. And so uh, the NHL did relent on that, but then they came up with the, co- the testing issue uh, in the last couple of days, that as long as the players, uh, families all test negative, that they can go out on the field and, and skate. So after tomorrow's practice at 4 o'clock, um, it'll go right into an hour-long family skate for the Wild, and then, the Blues will practice at 6 p.m., and then they'll get their ability if they have family members here in Minnesota to go out there as well. So that'll be pretty neat. You get a media day. Uh, I don't know if they play <laughs> games, but are you going to be able to get out so there? That is All right, so here's my excuse. That is tonight, but I have a live podcast at a local restaurant. Oh. So I out there. Uh, yeah, I know. 
So a Mike, couple of players Mike. have asked if they could join me on the ice uh, tonight and and uh, see how I <laughs> see how I skate and probably throw me through the boards. But sadly, I, that was my excuse that I can't take part in today's oh, media game. That I got a live podcast. So. Doug McLean's going to accuse you of being a healthy scratch. <laughs> <laughs> Doug McLean still says that I don't know how to uh, that he had to teach me offside. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of right. It was kind of right. I could tell what? you some stories about when I was like 19, 20 years old covering Doug McLean and the, oh, my God. We, we may One have, day to, we'll have we, to have a beer, and I could tell you some, yeah. No, 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 no. One day we're going to get you and him on the air at the same time. Yes, we are. Do. <laughs> yes. All right, Mike. That's how good podcasts yeah. are made. Yeah. So really everything imp- he says is exaggerated about me. Yes. So. Oh, no, no. I, you're yeah. telling me? Period. No, <laughs> nobody knows that more than me. <laughs> really, really so. appreciate your time. Enjoy the weekend. We hope it goes off without a hitch and uh, and people can truly uh, take uh, take the experience in. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Yep, awesome. Take care. Thanks, Mike Russo. Russo covers the Minnesota Wild for the Athletic. Now, there's been a shift, eh, with this Minnesota Wild team where they went from unwatchable to really watchable, eh, JB? Yeah. No, I mean, they, they had a couple of fun players, but also they seem like a hockey team. You know, they got some guys that really move well and play physical. You know, that Erickson Eck is a, you know, a good all-around player. Dumba throws the body around. You know, there's, there's a lot that's watchable on that team. Obviously, I didn't even mention Kaprizov, who's single-handedly taken them from uh, unwatchable to watchable for me. Okay, Sam, uh, any official word? I believe it's kind of filtered out eh, through the Ontario government. And in fact, we are talking about uh, a capacity of 1,000 people isol- uh, for an isolation period for uh, games starting as early as uh, tomorrow, correct? Oh, you're muted, Sammy. You're muted. Did we? The thing that I saw, fellas, that's very interesting to me, is that the Ontario government, they updated the, to the testing guidance and they went along with the CDC and they cut the isolation period from 10 to 5 days for fully vaccinated residents. Oh, so, they did? They did. That just happened now. So that's something that, you know, if you're in the uh, the hockey business uh, and you're a Toronto Maple Leafs uh, executive or player or whatever and you potentially test positive for COVID I think that's huge for their personal protocols and I think they'll probably move quickly to change it to match that mm-hmm. and that's the level playing field that we were speaking of earlier AJB eh, yeah well that makes a huge difference and you know it, it comes down to science boys like you know not politics like are, can, are you uh, still contagious five six days later while you're testing negative no well then let's get out there you know, that's. I, yeah, I, I don't that want. I hate. To, I hate to harp back on the on the capacity thing, but the a thousand people. Where is the evidence of any of these games being the catalyst for these super spreader events? If you have the five that or the half capacity in the building, everyone's wearing a mask. You're all spaced out. You're there. I, I don't understand the science behind it, and it's frustrating as a Toronto Maple Leaf fan. I can imagine how frustrating it is as an uh, executive for somebody playing, you know, if you're Dubis, if you're Shanahan, if you're Pierre Dorian, if you're Pierre Maguire while they're not talking to each other. If you're one of those guys, how much does this piss you off that you're taking the hit for this? There's no, there's no science behind it. 
has there wow, been any? See, that's 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 people are getting COVID everywhere. To me, too, you know, one of those things that there's but, no science behind it, Sam. That's not the truth. I mean, any and you know no, how like there hasn't, but there just hasn't been any reporting that these sporting events are what's the like the huge issue. It's been more the where people working in confined areas and all this stuff. I just you know I just feel like sporting events are one of the ones that's taken the hit because it just is an easy PR hit for the for the. Uh, I think it's the least stuff. essential of the things of the areas where people are gathering. You know, compared to schools or compared to, you know, workplaces. I you know if they're trying to make half an effort. I'm not. I don't disagree that it does feel. Uh, for looks, for looks more than actual mm-hmm. effectiveness. Well, I think yeah. And again, just going to the bottom line, what does this mean for MLSE? Uh, their their mm. tickets out there. They just spent what the last uh, week, week and a half, figuring out who gets to go to a, a hockey game or a basketball game with fifty percent capacity. Now they got to go back and and tell them they can't come and refund all of their money. Like we are talking about a huge disaster for HRR. And we know a lot of it is driven from Canada. And what does this mean short-term, long-term to the players to try to get down their debt, which Mm -hmm. could be as much as $700 million that the players owe the owners. And that was based on Gary Bettman's math of a $5.2 billion uh, revenue so much for the cap dream by the end of the year. Like there's just, there's just no way they're going to come close to that. By the way, this, this was all a part of our conversation. This could be especially crushing for the Leafs because we did the, how do you pay for Jack Campbell show? And we went, uh, Phil Kessel's uh, 1.2 comes off the books. The cap goes up a million dollars as a part of our equation. All of a sudden, the cap doesn't go up. The Leafs can't afford soupy. They got no goalie. It all falls apart, Sammy. Your world is undone by the lack of capacity at these games. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Sorry, man. I, 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 I just feel like I'm just spewing off at the mouth here, but I just it's – it's frustrating to say the least that we're heading back into this jet, this situation. Well, the good 100%. news is we haven't heard anything yet uh, in terms of any announcement uh, when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Ottawa Senators regarding that Saturday. I think that's a, a good sign uh, yeah. that, that nothing's followed. And rest assured, you know, when it comes to MLSC or the National Hockey League or even probably the Players Association, I mean, they're not like us sitting around waiting for a, a press release at 3 p.m. Eastern here. I mean, they've probably been they know well ahead of what was going to transpire on the weekend. And I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, along with Sportsnet, that that Saturday night game is on board, even with friends and family. Voice for our, the entertainment of our show, we're we're gonna need a couple of Leafs hockey <laughs> matches here at some point, you know. So it, it will be honestly uh, like a refresher course on like okay, let's catch up on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe we'll spend some time on that tomorrow before we head into the weekend, rebuilding what it is this team is going to look like. Who's played very little hockey, has gotten healthy, and it seems like they're gonna have pretty much a full roster by the time they get back at it on Saturday. 
missing Bill, just just missing old Bill, I think. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Anything to add, Sammy, or shall we push on? No, I just feel like I'm just going to come on here and yell about appendants and the science, and I got no <laughs> basis in anything. I'm just sour. Honestly, boys, buddy, buddy, just I just feel it. I'm sour. Like, it's just, I'm so, you know, it just feels like none of the decision-making has been rooted in science, and it's all just like a dartboard to me. I, I don't understand what any of the decision-making means anymore, and I'm done talking about it. So let's go to the break. I love that idea. We'll go, well, j- then we'll just talk about the Montreal Canadiens. After the break. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a less frustrating when our, topic. When our boy Renault, hockey reporter for the TVA Sports and NHL Network correspondent, he'll join us after the break. We'll talk about the Montreal Canadiens and eight on a list to become general manager. That and more on Real Kipper and Bourne.